0: Mary Thompson Hunt, and welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tour spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference from the heart, with a capital A R T. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. And I know you're wondering, where's Joshua? Well, Joshua can't make it today. He's out saving the world through art. That's what I always say when he's not here. Who knows what he's really doing? Um, Actually, it's true, though. Whenever Joshua's not here, he's out at a convention, whether it's in D.C. or New York City or California, meeting with other choir directors or arts leaders. And he comes back with new ideas that make a difference here. So thank you, Joshua. We miss you today. But... We do have no stranger to From the Heart here sitting in with me today, and that's the glorious, talented Miss Fran Gougie. Hello, Fran.
1: Hello, Mary Thompson Hunt. I am thrilled to be here. Joshua, thank you. Stay out as long as you'd like. <laughs> I am very excited because sitting here, and it's a pity this is radio and you can't see his beautiful, mesmerizing blue eyes, the one, the only, multi talented, Internationally acclaimed actor, writer, director, producer, Mr. Adrian
2: Lapeltier
0: and the crowd goes wild Yay. <laughs> with
2: an introduction such as that I need do nothing any further <laughs> Thank you so much Fran. <laughs> goodbye one and all
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> We don't let you (laughs) off the hook that that easily.
2: (laughs) No, it's really such a pleasure to be here. I regret not meeting Joshua, but I'm glad that he's doing what he is doing for the community and for the arts especially. So maybe one day I will get the opportunity to meet Joshua because I would really love that. I
0: give you my word, we will make that happen.
2: Thank you. He would enjoy you, Adrian. Oh, very much. Thank you, Fran and Mary. And I I bet you know know
0: people in common. So in fact, I know that you do. So that will happen. Oh, good. Excellent. Well welcome Adrian and welcome Fran. I'm happy to have you both here. Uh, Fran and I the other day we had this conversation and I re- went home and I told Jason about it. Uh, we were getting changed at the end of our day and said can you believe we do this for a living? Mm-hmm. We actually are making our living for uh, almost 30 years as professional union actors and it was just a moment w- of gratitude and this is what you have done with your life as well. So I thought I'd start our conversation off today with how do you, when you look back over your life and what you've been able to do to make a living as an
2: artist, um, how does that make you feel? Well, actually, Mary, I did not, my entire life was not spent as an actor. I did train as an actor and I wanted desperately to be an actor, but I started off with acting gigs in England in a, with the Wimbledon Repertory Theatre on a tour of Salad Days, which is an English musical, and then I worked for the Colchester Repertory Theatre for about three or four shows, but many acting gigs didn't come my way because at that time in England, there was an actor's strike on television and the television actors could not get work. So they came to the repertory theaters offering their services, saying, hey, we have got television names, we can help your box office, hire us. They did. So I was out of acting jobs, I was not being hired, so I thought, I love to dance. Let me go and do a dance audition. So I went for a nightclub audition in London, stood on stage left, with a tie and a shirt, and everybody else was in dancing attire. I never bothered to dance a step. <laughs> just stood there. And then I walked down to the choreographer and said, excuse me, but I have to go. He looked at me said, can you dance? I said, of course I can. You name the dance, I can do it. He said, well, why aren't you dancing up there? I said, because I'm on my lunch break, and I've got to go back, and I can't go back sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, well... Uh- let me see. He said, if we don't get everybody, uh, give us your phone, phone number. We'll call you tonight and let you know. So I said, okay. Gave the phone number. I thought, I'll never hear from them. They called me that night. Set up an audition, a private one for me the next day. I auditioned, and I was sweating profusely, even though I had the job to go to after the lunch hour. And they said, why are you sweating? I said, because I'm nervous. He said, sweating starts when rehearsals begins. That's how I got my first dancing job. And I never looked back. I uh, knew most of started. my life I, I spent working as a dancer.
1: Adrian, I, if I may, what yes. was your job? You
2: were on your lunch break, so what yes. job was oh, it? I was working for a magazine that was uh, sort of a geological magazine. But prior to that, I had worked also in a floor covering company.
0: A floor covering yeah, company?
2: Yeah, a floor covering company. Like yeah. tiles and wood Well, no, it was, it was actually, it had carpet. They brought carpet in later, but it was like vinyl floor, flooring. Ah, Were you in sales? Yeah. Um, no, I was just there helping with the office work, and I used to help that. And then I actually got my mother, who had come over from India to live in England, I got her a job with the company, and wow. she worked with them too. Yeah. Wow. So speaking of India. Yes. Why don't we
1: start there? And before we go any further, um, I had a question from a Don Roth, and he was wondering, since we're talking about dancing, this is something he was wondering, at what age did you start dancing? Did you begin your dancing career in India as far as studying
2: or not in No, I did not. No, I did not, (laughs) because I asked my father if I could study Indian dancing, he said, Men don't do that. I said, well, look at Fred Astaire. He said, he's a cockroach. What? (laughs) That's what my father said. So obviously we have something, nothing in common, either my father or I. So no, I did not. I started dancing when I was going to drama school at the Pasadena Playhouse. Mm -hmm. And I loved dancing because we had movement classes. Evelyn Lamone, who was a teacher there and had her own studio in Pasadena, this was the Pasadena Playhouse where I studied, came to me and said, you should study dance. Why don't you come to my evening classes? So I did. And when I would be doing productions at the Pasadena Playhouse and I'd be, be given directions, move stage left, move stage right, the director would say, would you stop moving like a dancer and walk? Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> so let's learn how to walk then, shall we? So, I've had a love of dance ever since I was inculcated into the theater. Mm. And how old were you? I was 18. Yes.
1: That's old for for a dancer,
2: as you know. That's when I started. Right,
0: yeah. yeah. And you had this natural Mm -hmm. talent for it. Yeah, I loved it. Wow. How supportive were you
2: by your parents? Not very, because I remember my mom, when I was in India finishing high school, Saying, she said, okay, you're finishing high school, college is next. What do you want to do? I said, I want to go on the, into the theater. I get these letters, articles, Noel Card quoted, don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. If you should not, you should reconsider. I went, okay, let's go for journalism. So I started studying journalism. At, I came to the University of Missouri because I had family members here. I was studying journalism there and uh, got into the theater at the University of Missouri, won an award after the first, th- I was there for the, started in the fall semester, won an award. Do you
0: mean the scholarship award? No, or? just a
2: one award for the theater. Wow. The best actor award. Wow. Do you remember what it was what for? The show, what, what was the show? Uh, uh, best Years of Our Lives, I think it was. Hmm. Yeah. And then I did the second semester and I was still, why don't you go out to... The Pasadena Playhouse. They have summer school there. So I went, okay. And I joined it and I went out there, graduated from that. And my teacher there, at Daphne Wohler, said to me, so what are your plans? I said, well, to go back and finish my journalism. No, you can't do that. Give me your parents' address. I need to write to them. You need to stay in this business. So I went, okay. I called my dad and asked him. So I did. And he said, is that what you want? And I said, yes, dad, it is. Said, then do it. Oh. So I graduated from the Pasadena Playhouse, cum laude. Yeah, I was really thrilled with that because when they said it's uh, the award for scholarship, citizenship, and dramatic ability, and I nudged a friend and I said, that knocks me out, I'm no citizen, goes to Adrian LaPeltier. Well, I was never so shocked in my
1: life. Wow, Mm -hmm.
0: wow. Hey, will you tell us a little bit about your dad? That's very special. So often our young artists don't get support from their parents, and when they do, it's more often the
2: mom.
1: Tell us about him. And especially since he did not support you to begin with, and yes. then he came around. Then he
2: came around because he realized that, I think, my father thought, yes, okay, this is what he really wants to do. And then he got that letter from uh, Daphne Woller, who said yet he should do it. So uh, he, uh, We were never very close, my father and I. He was 18 years my mother's senior. I was, he was well into his 40s when I was born. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and besides that, from the age of six and a half, I was sent off to boarding school, so I never knew much of a home life. I was away from home nine months of the year. And when I came back, both parents worked. So Do you have siblings? No, I'm the only one. The only one. So there were servants there who'd take care of me, and I used to... I remember putting on roller skates and skating down the streets the roller rink and skating some more paying eight annas to skate and then skating back home again but that's how i'd spend my time so it was a pretty much of a lonely life that i had not a plethora of friends not many because i had my cousins but they were already in school boarding school people used to come and have three months vacation the local kids who were in the day schools different set, sets of vacations compared to what we did. They had the summer vacation. They didn't have the winter vacation like we did. So. And Adrian, this was in, in
1: India. This is in India,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. I lived there till I was 18. I, was in, I went to uh, St. Joseph's College, North Point, Darjeeling, and then I went to the St. Joseph's European High School in Bangalore where I graduated high school which is the American equivalent of high school. It's the senior Cambridge.
0: What did you think you would end up doing when you were younger? I always wanted
2: to do this.
0: You always thought you wanted to do it, but what did you think,
2: did you, in your mind, I had no idea but this. Mm -hmm. This was my driving force. Wow. This really was my driving force, and it it proved you just have to follow your heart, your direction. It it pulls you there. Mm -hmm. It's like a magnet. So
1: had your father not
2: supported you, I'd have found a way to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I would have, because even while I was there and they were supporting me financially, it was still not enough. I still had to get odd jobs, and I remember working for uh, delivering drugs for a drug store. Medication. Medication. Sorry. Thank you for calling. So yeah, <laughs> medication. We call them drugs. They're so good. <laughs> you English. <laughs>
0: How did your career pick up over here?
2: How did my career pick up? Well, I came in 1978 to Reno, Nevada as a dancer in Hello, Hollywood, Hello, which at that time was the largest show in the world, in the smallest little city in the world. Mm. We were a company of 150, including musicians, stagehands, everybody. Wow. It was, And we worked on a stage that was the size of a football field. What
0: stage was it?
2: It was the, in the Ziegfeld Theater. Wow. And there were three elevators on the stage. Unbelievable! The stage. It was mm-hmm. huge. It was close. we had a seven two seven on stage. That at the opening of the show, uh, the people said, "This welcome to Reno, you're landing. Fasten your seat, uh, seat belts." And then you would hear this roar of a jet engine, and these bright lights would just fill the audience. And boom, this plane would come zooming down to the stage with six girls on either side of the wing. choreographed movements amazing that was it people got off the plane the plane moved back you never saw it again just there for that opening scene just
0: there for that opening oh my goodness well speaking of opening we have just opened the door to adrian lapeltier and i'm so glad that you're here today listeners we are going to be right back to hear more stories of what comes next as we hear the story unfold of adrian welcome and thank you for listening to from the heart Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt, here today with Fran Gouchy, and we are having the pleasure of speaking with Adrienne LaPeltier, who we learned was born to a French father, an English mother, raised and schooled in India and the USA, and an entertainer and now a casting director and now an actor. You've done everything. We're going to get to all of that. One of the things we asked you during the break was about your schooling. Um, what was it like being schooled? Sent away to school, and you said that's what was done. Talk a little more about that.
2: Yes, that was, that was what was done for f- uh, families who were considered well to do. You had to send your child off to a boarding school. At six? Six, and, so a old. Half, six and a half. Six and um, I never think, fig- I didn't understand what it meant. And I went to the train station with my parents with a suitcase that had been packed and got on a train with complete strangers, and the door shut and looked at my parents. Then the train pulls out, and I thought, what the hell happens? And it's at night, so we fall asleep on the train. I get up in the next morning. I'm not with my home. I'm not with my family. With these strangers. And the train gets to a particular station. We have to get out of that train and get into what was known as a toy train, this little train would go up the mountains in Darjeeling, and it was on a very narrow gauge. So we get into this other train and start our way to the school. There must have been a signal or something that stopped the train. I got out, because I wanted to go home. Oh my,
0: by
1: yourself?
2: Yes, I got out. And, and you then, had no one guiding you? you no one was no there. One? I don't recall any supervisor in that train. I got out. The next thing I look, the train starts to move. So I thought, oh, I need to get back on it, I think. I really do. So I started running. The train was moving away. The train was moving away. I'm running alongside. I'm running alongside. The guard grabs me and pulls me in. As the train's still moving? As the train's moving. Adrian. So I'm lucky. I mean, I get to school, but I have to tell you, I made a mess of myself. I'm sure I you so I almost did complete, just listening. You know, so... <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> so that's what happened to oh uh, my, to my early days at school. But I will tell you one thing I'm grateful for. It gave me a great sense of independence from a very early age.
0: When did you realize that that's a gift that you got from that experience?
2: I don't know. I've always been kind of that way ever since... At school, you have to stand up for yourself. You've got no one to fight your battles. You don't have parents. You don't have anybody. You just have yourself. You're self-reliant. So that's what you do.
1: Adrian, children today at six and a half, I just can't imagine doing that, being all alone on a train. And, I mean, you could have...
2: So much could have happened to you. Much could have happened, but, you know, people were... It was a different time. It was a different climate. People felt differently. People thought differently. People reacted differently. And it was a different culture. It was a totally different culture. Mm -hmm. And you weren't traumatized? Of course, I must have been traumatized. Well, I... I don't know. I can't tell you if I've been... uh, People who know me probably say you were (laughs) traumatized from birth coming out of the canal. (laughs) So that's well, why you chose the arts. <laughs> Probably.
0: Well, I was just going to ask you, you've had unusual circumstances. We've only touched the f- at the beginning. How has your upbringing made you the artist that you are, in your opinion?
2: I used to go to the cinema with my mother. She used to, She was an avid fan of the cinema. And she used to take me... Uh, regularly once a week when I was back home and we'd go I'd go to the cinema and I absolutely fell in love with it she would also take me to when we had Martha Graham come to Calcutta and she took me out to see that and I'd go and see the odd play or two and in school in the boarding school I was always involved with theatrical I was always acting always doing being a part of that so that got me involved as well Mm -hmm. As a child, as a child, yes, so. and um, always loved it. So that was my my guiding light because I always thought, "Oh, I love this." Was it cathartic for
0: it. you being able to play emotions or other people?
2: You see, I don't know. That time you were playing emotions of other people, you were just getting up on stage, and you were having a wonderful time, and then you were getting acknowledged. Mm. So that so was your sense of home yeah, recognition, recognition, love, yeah, applause. Exactly, that's mm-hmm. what and I was getting loved. Love. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what. Well, I t- mean, you had nothing; you didn't know about characterization and stuff in those days. That 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 came much later. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: let's let's move ahead a little bit. I, I want to learn what. Ha- when did you take on a p- career? Tell us. Let's skip some years forward and tell us how Adrian became someone who made his living in the arts.
2: That didn't happen until I moved to England. But like I was trying to tell you, Mary, it's so strange. I wish that we could have our lives marked out as if we were looking through a dictionary and A followed B followed C followed D. But things jump around so much as you grow older and a lot of memories you lose. The vibrancy does not stay and it becomes softer. And it's such a shame, because the moment you experience something, it's so vital. And then the tangibility somehow or other loses its efficacy at the, uh, compared to what it was at the time. But at least you have the warmth of the memory, which is a good thing.
1: Do you have one or two that, that really stands out?
2: Um, yes, especially when I started my career, like you say, I say, is when I moved to England. And um, I stayed with some people called the Watzes, and they were—I was there to try and get jobs in repertory theatre. And the lady of the house said, "No, you need to work for the government. You really do need to work for. You shouldn't do with anything with the theatre. It's oh so so ridiculous. You can't make any money. You can't." So I took a job in the Continental Telephone Exchange, and I was working. It's a government job, but it was fine. It was okay. I went for an audition wimbledon theater i got the job i immediately dropped the <laughs> continental telephone exchange yeah. and started working touring with the wimbledon company so there yeah.
0: was a part of you that was going to do what you needed to do anyway uh, mm-hmm. had to. do you think that was destiny or
2: i will? Th- do no i think it is it's, des- it's destiny in a way it's destiny and it is will it's a combination of many things yes And desire, I think, is a huge part. That was your driving force. You Mm -hmm. could not squelch that desire. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the the most wonderful things I had was when I had the opportunity to audition for Noel Coward. And I auditioned for him, and then I heard his voice booming through the theater. Young man, tell me, how old are you? And I said, how old do I look, or what is my real age? He said, I can see how old you look. (laughs) <laughs> what is your age? Oh. I said I was dreading you would ask me that question. It's 27. He said, you're a little bit too old, but I like you. You remind me very much of myself when I was a young man. Come back tomorrow. Oh, my. So I had a recall, but I didn't get the job. But I, I lost it to a 12-year-old. Yeah. To a 12-year-old? Yeah. Well, come on. That's <laughs> but <it's>, but pushing <laughs> it, Adrian.
1: That's I, really pushing I know. It but that's 12. why I didn't want to say 27. You so, know, and, and But what I was love that show? you were honest. And what was the show?
2: I think it was The Sleeping Prince, but it didn't last very long. It was opened on Broadway, and I think it played about a week or so, not very long. Yeah,
0: you know why? He was too young. Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway,
1: (laughs) what (laughs) does a 12-year-old know?
0: (laughs) So uh, let's move a little forward, and then with the career. So Noel Power, you know, you caught his eye. That must have given you, if nothing else, encouragement, It was wonderful, yes. yes. What what, what happened after that?
2: Then after that, I worked with the uh, Repertory Theater in Chesterfield, and I was there for a while. I enjoyed that very much. And that's when the actor strike happened. And uh, I started working just regular office jobs.
0: How uh, long did that was, last?
2: That lasted about three or four years before I went into dance. And then once I went into dance, that was it. Tell us about that. I just I got the job at the Big Al, as I told you about the one. And I worked I was working in the Big Al, and one of the dancers next to me, sitting next to me, said, Oh, they're auditioning for the Lido in Paris. You and I should go for those auditions. And I said, what on earth? Boy? He said, we're here. come on, let's go. So we went. Miss Bluebell, who was the Lido, the girls were her girls, and uh, she was kind of like the head there, head lady, said, do something that you do. So I thought, what sort of an audition is this? <laughs> I'll do what I would do at night. Sure, and I did it. And he, oh. she said, OK, that's good. Can you do, can you do turns? Can I you said, do what? Piqué tones, piquet tones. Oh, she, pique so pique. I said, what are those? Because I hadn't studied ballet per se. And she said, well, you have to turn with your lifting. I said, oh, that, I can do that. I did it very badly, but I got the job. Wow. And the next thing I knew, I was in Paris. Wow. So I let my job in London go, and I went to Paris. Did the job there for seven months. They wanted to keep me on, and I went, mm, no, I think I need to go back to London. So I came back to London. And then I did a job as a dresser. I was dressing Nikki Paws, who was the skater at, uh, there was an ice skating act in the show there, had come to London to be in pantomime on ice at Wembley. And he said, will you dress me? And I said, sure. So I was dressing him. And then it so happened that the Bigal, the nightclub that I had left, one of the boys was leaving and, and they said, would you like to come back? I said, yeah. And I went back to the Al. It just kept flowing yeah, just from kept one going, to the yeah, next. Kept going like that. And where was your mom, Ruby, at the time? My mom, when I was working for Bagal, was she came to London. They came to London in the late fifties, I believe, my mom and dad. And they uh, they were in India before that. They were they were both born in India, and they lived there till, as I say, the, the late fifties when they I sort of was instigated instigated their move i said i think you need to leave the chinese are on the border and i don't not very happy with the political conditions there you need to come and join me which they did
0: that's sweet Um, and then how did you get to the states
1: pasadena i
2: mean no no i went to the university of missouri first my mom was instrumental in that because she said you need to go to college you have family in missouri in uh, Kansas City, and your cousin Jeffrey is going to the University of Missouri, let's get you to the University of Missouri, and they have a very good journalism school, you say you want to write, let's get you there.
0: And what year was this?
2: Oh, I knew you'd ask me that, it was 1958.
0: Well, okay, there you go, towards the end of there, so you, you mm-hmm. did a lot of performing in the 50s, and then mm-hmm. now you're going back to the mm-hmm. States.
2: So mom must have come in the 60s then, she came in the 60s in England, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And mm. did you perform in school while you were studying journalism as well?
2: Oh, yeah. That's when I won the best. Actor oh, that's right. And, that's right. Yeah.
0: And so what took off after that, uh, after finishing school for you in performing arts? Nothing
2: much. Didn't, it really didn't take off. I know there was, it was a hoot because when I got that award at the Pasadena Playhouse, I met Jed Harris, who was a Broadway producer at the time, and he said to me, <laughs> and I'll never forget this, I'm doing Hedda Gabler with Betty Davis. Would you be interested? Oh, my so, gosh. Would I be interested, Mr. Harris? Yes, please. But it never happened.
1: Well, did did he expect you to go to New York to
2: audition? Who, whoever. No, I, no, he just was like a fait accompli. He was going to use wow. me. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So well, hey. Uh,
0: tell us about your mom. I had the uh, pleasure mom? of spending time with Ruby, and what a beautiful person she is. Give us an introduction, and then when we come back, we'll spend uh, time talking, giving her a due.
2: Please. Ruby Peltier. what can I say about her? She was humor. She was definitely the essence of love. And she was so much fun. She had a joie de vivre that I have never felt or known anybody to have. My mother was like a huge bonfire. She was a magnet. People were attracted to her. They loved her. And they wanted Ruby in their company.
0: And we'll have Ruby, more stories of her, right when you come back, listeners. Don't go away. Thank you for joining us on Magic 107.7 FM, From the Heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Ta- today I'm here with Fran Gauchy, who's sitting in for Joshua Vickery. And we have the honor of speaking with Adrienne LaPeltier, learning about his life uh, in India in England and currently here in the States and what it is to live a creative life. And so much of it has to do with how we were raised. And we cannot talk to you without asking you to talk about your mother, Ruby. I had the honor of meeting her. And she is someone I will always remember. As a lot of people, I'm sure, tell you that. Tell us about her.
2: Her favorite song was by Nat King Cole, was Unforgettable. And that really sums up my mother. She was totally unforgettable. Her youngest brother, Robert, always said, Ruby, you are the maverick of the family. (laughs) And that she was. There were no rules in her life. Her only rule was love. She absolutely loved everybody she met. She was the party girl of Calcutta. We had parties in our house every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday. My father worked, was a stevedore. He worked, stevedore is different to what America calls stevedore. He virtually had his own company where they would export rice to Scotland and import wheat from Scotland. And so he'd get friendly with the captains, and normally what they would do, they'd go out dancing on a Saturday night then they go to the docks to have breakfast on board ship, then come home, maybe have two hours sleep, and then have people go over to the house for lunch and party <laughs> and go into the dinner time and go into the... Uh, then get up somehow or other early Monday morning to attend work. Don't ask me how, but they did. But that was life. And this was during the war. Wow. Second World War, yeah. Oh, it was oh. pretty amazing. We didn't have... M- there were a couple of raid sirens that went off, and the, the Japanese planes flew up above. They bombed the docks, but never never the city of Calcutta. No.
0: Did you ever fear during the war?
2: No, I remember being bundled up and hustled from the house into an air raid shelter. That was not far from the house, but that was about it. You know, I was, no.
0: What effect did, what, what are the lessons that you've learned from Ruby that you live with, that you wouldn't be the same had you not learned from her?
2: Acceptance. Accept everybody. There were very few people my mother didn't like. And she didn't mind telling me (laughs) of who my friends she wasn't too (laughs) particularly fond of. And she'd tell me why. And I appreciated that. But everybody she loved. And everyone was, hello, darling. Mm -hmm. Everyone was, everybody thought she was in the business. Mm. And she wasn't. She'd always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, to show you, she wrote away when she was 12 years old to a boarding school in England got accepted, took the acceptance form to her father and said, Dad, I've been accepted. And he said, really? And who do you think is going to pay for that? She said, you will. He said, think again. No, you're not going. You're not leaving my home. You're staying here, young lady. And she did. She did. Mm. Yes, you had to. You, you obeyed your parents yes. in those days. There's nothing you could do. But she had
0: the
1: wherewithal to write that letter. Oh, yes. At oh, that yeah. young age. At that young age, yeah. 12. Mm-hmm. She was well ahead of her time, yeah. way ahead. And I had the honor and the privilege of knowing Ruby the entire time you've lived in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I recall, as a child or a teenager, she wanted to be on the stage. Yep. She longed to be on the stage and she wanted to dance. But that was not allowed. And Ruby was an art form. And, and I can see how that influenced you and the cinema. Well, mm-hmm. she was
2: Fran. She was on the stage. She had spent her own money while she was going working as a secretary to go to a dance school. The dance school had their students perform an exhibition. So she got up and she performed. Her parents came to see the exhibition. Immediately after the show, my grandfather came back because she had to wear, putting on the Ritz was the number, and they were in shorts and little uh, tailcoats. My father, grandfather came back and said, stop this, out, no more dance lessons. I'm not going to have my daughter show her legs on stage to all and sundry. No, that's it. But there was a man in the audience who was writing for the newspaper, who saw her and fell madly in love with her wow. and wrote glowing accounts of Ruby LaPeltier. Wow. So then this man, Merton Lacey moves and gets married and moves to New Zealand. Years and years later, a friend of ours visits us from New Zealand and happened to have met Merton Lacey, and told him that she was coming over to visit Ruby. Merton Lacey sent a cassette tape <gasps> saying, Ruby, would you remember me? And a big whole thing about how they met in India and this and the other. And on the flip side of the cassette tape, he said, Ruby, I don't know if you remember this, but I still have this 78 record that you gave me. <gasps> oh? Love Me or Leave Me.
0: Oh my Oh my goodness. Goodness. gosh. What, what was so
2: her I've reaction? So I've got that cassette tape. My mom, just quiet, mm. Mama, I Mom, th- aren't you thrilled? Just shook her head. No, darling. Oh. That was then.
1: Oh. This is now.
0: Yeah. I also once had the honor of meeting Ruby, and gracious is the word I would use. She yeah. just, just, uh, her arms were open, her heart Always. was open, wrapped her arms, and, and Jason too, yeah. and to this day, she they, people. her name around Jason, he'll smile. Yeah, thank you.
1: That's mm-hmm. so oh, yes, yeah. and she's alive yeah. in all of us.
2: Oh, yes. this there's, wouldn't so, there's so many stories that there are, but I'll never forget, stu- she had macular degeneration towards the end, And signs of it were showing in Reno because we were going out one day and I looked at her and I said, Mom, you have blue eyebrows. She said, so what, darling? No one will notice. I said, I did. (laughs) I don't care. Let's go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. I love
2: it. Um, Art,
0: because this show is to all of our artists and creators out there, why is art important in this
2: world? It's a release from what we have in our life. It's also, it tells us, how it's, uh, it's a comment. Art is a comment on life in so many aspects, on painting and dancing and acting, anything, building, anything. It's an art. Art is a comment. It's a comment about our situation, about our emotions, about how we feel, about how we love and how we are as people and how we need to get on. And also, as an individual who is for an, an, an actor, it can help you understand people so much better because thanks to the power of the writing, you can give that bit of extra oomph and understanding to humanity and human beings, mm. I think.
1: That was beautiful, so profound. Adrian, if I may... Yeah. Um, do we have time for some questions? Um, Lisa, Lisa Curtis, would like to know, who was your mentor? Who would you consider your mentor to be when you first began your career or getting involved in the art?
2: I understand. Um, I think, honestly, it was just me. and I wanted what I wanted. There was nobody else that really mentored me into it. I found my own way. Were there any writers
0: that seemed to support you?
2: Nope. And who inspired you? I would say film. Film inspired me enormously because of the dancing, the acting, the singing. The whole package. The the whole Mm -hmm. package of what one got from film. The escape that one could get into film. No matter what you have, even in the theater today, this is how I feel, no matter what problems you have, You can forget them for just that instant, and it's so important to forget things for an instant and just be taken away with somebody else's troubles and then realize how small and insignificant my troubles are compared to others. Mm. Mm. Beautiful.
0: What would you you say to parents as a reason why they should get their children involved in some kind of creative outlet, whether it be painting, writing, singing, dancing, Mm -hmm. acting,
2: because it enhances the child. It makes the child grow mentally. And it also helps the child physically grow as well. dancing, for example, is athletics. It's so incredibly athletic. Mm-hmm. It should definitely be encouraged. Um, acting with the, your brain capacity has to expand so much. And your understanding of people and humanity, arts, painting, oh my goodness, what? A uh, wealth we have in that, with color, with texture, everything about our lives is a form of art. Mm-hmm. We are art. We've been created in a very artful way—a <laughs> dance. <laughs> mm, we are. <laughs>
0: I wish listeners that you could see the twinkle in Adrian's eyes. He's got beautiful blue eyes. He's got the face of a cherub. You do. You're ageless, and he.
1: His smile just lights up, doesn't it? I think you're twelve. Where's <laughs> no <Noel> coward? <laughs> I, have another? I do. I have another question from Kim. Ah, if you could gift someone, it, let me do that again. If you could gift something to someone, what would it be? What
2: would you impart on someone? The most important gift you can ever give to anybody, love. Never stop giving love. Just love everybody. Embrace. Even when you find someone doesn't like you or they're against you or whatever, love them. Because it's only going to make you stronger. Mm -hmm. So I say love. That's the most wonderful gift you can give anybody, anytime, and all the time. Because all you need is love
1: exactly um so here's another one with with your vast career your your, well your entire life do you have a preference as far as dancing acting writing directing producing no
2: everything everything culminates in the end product which is a gift to be able to share with others
0: when you spent time as a casting director, how was that an art?
2: The be tr- trying to make the best decision and the best choice available because it breaks your heart sometimes to see there is a specific type and some, some of the people who are coming to auditions have seen the show, have seen the type that is needed and they are anything but that type and yet they come and you know that that drive and that desire is so strong. You want so much to say, yes, if only. Mm-hmm. But the if only doesn't work because you're not the right type.
0: Mm. And type sometimes just comes down to size and it shape. Does, it and does. This is what I'm saying, there. Mm-hmm, exactly. so many words. Yes, yes, yes. And it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes we can make statements and just switch it all around, but not always. No? Yeah, I get it. Just curious to ask Mm. that about you. Um, as, As an artist to other artists, what do you wish for them?
2: Success. I always wish success to everybody. And success doesn't mean profound financial success. It means personal success. How do you feel? What have you achieved? Did you achieve your goal? Because goals continue to change as you grow older, as you grow in life. Your goals change. Everything mm-hmm. changes constantly because one thing you can be damn sure of is change. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing you've
0: got. And sometimes we creative artists are hard on ourselves. Are hard on ourselves. What advice do you have for us to let ourselves be? You're you're still exploring and growing. How,
2: no, you, it's good to be hard on yourself.
0: Yeah, go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah,
2: it's good to be hard on yourself because the moment you start becoming complacent then you don't have any challenges to meet.
1: Mm. And what happens if you don't have any challenges to
2: meet? How do you progress? How do you grow? You need to grow. Just like a tree continues to grow, just like a bush, like a shrub, like a piece of blade of grass continues to grow, you need fertilization. And you need to be hard on yourself. When you don't do something right, admit it. Don't try and blame somebody else. Blame yourself. Say, oh, I did it wrong, damn it. I should do this, then go and do the this that you say you should do. I think on
0: that, I'm going to do what I should do and tell you that we have come out of time. (laughs) (laughs) However, I do promise you this. I know that Joshua will listen to this and go, oh, I wish I was also there. And so we will have you back, and you will meet Joshua. And listeners, thank you so much for being here tonight on... From the Heart. Fran Gauchy, I can't thank you enough, my friend.
1: Thank you. This was a pleasure. You were Adrian. wonderful
0: as always, my dear.
1: Thank both you of you, both.
0: you make me rich. Thank you so much, listeners. Join us next week on Magic 107.7 From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt.